Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. All right, teachers, welcome back to another month here on the podcast. It's hard to believe that we are in April, right? This year went by fast. It is speeding by, but I love April. It's a good time I do of year. Too. I'm hoping that this month brings significantly less rain than the last like five months have in California. Right. Than the flooding and it's crazy right now. It's the, uh, we've had what, like six atmospheric rivers <laughs> come through the state. Oh it's, God. we're just, it's, you know what? Can't complain. We were in a drought. We really needed it. I mean, I wasn't flushing my toilets for a long time. We're taking like timed showers to save oh my water. Gosh. Yeah. Like we let wow. our grass die, all this stuff. So we needed the water. So I got to yes. be thankful. <laughs> Very grateful for it. <laughs> Total side note. Okay. So we're into spring. We're into April and um, we're doing another four part series here on the podcast, which Jessica and I are super excited about. You know, this time of year can be kind of hard to trudge through. So these next four episodes in April are all about really keeping your students engaged through the end of the school year. So we're going to give you some actionable strategies, activities that you can take back to utilize with your students um, and really keep kind of that like high energy motivation these last couple of months of the year. Um, so this first episode is all about visual essays. And if you haven't heard of this before, you're going to absolutely love this. Your students are going to love this activity. It's super easy for you to implement. Um, and if you are an EB writing program or EB teachers club member, you're in our, our world. This is something that, you know, is excellent accessible to you in our EB resource marketplace. Um, so just keep that in mind uh, as you're listening to this, if you are an EB teacher. Um, so if you know anything right about middle schoolers and essays, it's like, I don't know, what's a good metaphor, like trying to get a cat to take a bath, right? It's possible, but it's a little bit of a disaster. I even think of trying to corral like a bunch of four-year-olds and playing t-ball like it's a nightmare you know it's possible but it's really freaking hard and today's middle schoolers we all know have the attention of like a goldfish and they'd rather be watching tiktok or youtube videos or i don't know is Fortnite still a thing is that it's still, still a thing, a thing, thing which still, is still a thing. i don't understand it but it's still a thing still a thing right they don't want to sit down and write a five paragraph essay on the central theme of freak the mighty. So we want to do something a little bit different for them. A hundred percent. And because let's think about it when they do sit down to write an essay, right? Especially if they're not using a framework, if you're just like, okay, you know, here's your essay topic. It's tedious. It takes days upon days. They have to use their brain to find strong evidence. They actually have to justify it. Like they don't want to be doing that. They want to do something that requires zero brain power especially like we're saying it's April when this is airing. And like, that's a whole other layer of difficulty. If you want to get your students motivated, especially if it's writing essays, they're checked out, they're counting down till summer break. Yeah. And I want to say like, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I do want to let everyone know, even though we're talking about end of the year stuff, 
right? How to keep your students engaged at the end of the year in this series. Visual essays being one of them. We're going to talk about fun research projects. We're going to talk about genius hour, right? All kinds of fun stuff coming in April. Everything that we're going to discuss this month is still a hundred percent applicable any other time of the school year. So even if you're like, oh, you know, this is just for the end of the, like, no, what we're going to share with you is going to be fantastic for you in September, back to school. You can utilize these ideas, all kinds of stuff. So today's episode really though, is about using those visual essays to create a writing experience that your students are going to enjoy. Like they might even ask you, Hey, Mrs. Mitchell, can we do another one of those? So just keep that in mind. I like that. How nice would that be if they're like, can we do another essay? (laughs) Um, So whether or not your students have experience writing like a response to literature or a text dependent essay, you know, one with a claim and reasons, evidence, justification, all that, a visual essay is perfect for that type of writing. So if you're already doing that in your classroom, awesome. If your students aren't writing text dependent essays, this is actually a really good way to kind of hook them and get them to do it in a fun way. So we're going to walk you through what that looks like today, but the way we're going to do it is going to incorporate all the components of the EB framework. So that's like your tag and your summary, your claims, your premises, your intro to evidence, your justification, your restated claim and premises, your mic drop sentences, like all of those things that show up in the essay, but we're going to do it in a really visually engaging way. And at the end, once students create their visual essay, it's really cool because they can present their work to their peers and then they can receive positive feedback. It's not like their classmates are going to have to sit down and read a five paragraph essay typed out. No, instead they're looking at something that looks really cool. So it engages that aspect as well. Yeah, I love that. And I want to point out too, like if you aren't using our EBW approach, our EB framework, you can totally use this visual essay um, concept in your classroom with whatever writing style uh, you guys use. However, of course, we're partial to our EBW approach, right? If you're using it, um, all the more power to you. And you would just basically have your students focus on like race or I don't know what other uh, framework you might well, be using like, with your kids. What is it? The green and yellow and highlighting. Oh and yeah. That, right? yeah, yeah, that oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That thing. Yep. That thing. No comment. <laughs> no comment. So if you are using the EB framework, like I mentioned, you can find a, a done for you visual essay project inside your EB dashboard. So what makes this essay assignment so much more engaging is that instead of typing their essays in like that traditional fashion, like that five paragraph essay, students are going to design a Google Slides presentation that includes all of these writing elements, right? So they're going to include, like Jessica said, the tag, the summary, the claim. It just looks different. And they'll take photos of like relevant pages in their books. They'll highlight the evidence on these pictures. They'll use text boxes to address their claims, their premises, et cetera. And then they'll add images or some sort of visual representation to support their thinking, to engage their audience. So I want you to picture the final project really looking like a simplified graphic novel. So they're producing something that's really, really visual, visually appealing and incredibly academic right? Highly utilizing those critical thinking skills, all that stuff. Um, So you can use this project that we're going to talk about in just a moment, like how to break it down and all that stuff for you. Um, But you can use it for a lot of different purposes. So something you might consider using it for is as a final assessment after a class novel or short story, right? And replace the essay, right? You can also do it for a project following literature circles, right? How cool is that to utilize this concept for lit circles as opposed to having students write a bunch of different essays, trying to figure out like whatever, however you're going to structure that with all the different books that students are doing, et cetera. 
You can also have it be an independent reading project. So let's say like I used to do independent reading once a quarter with my students, they had to present on something. I would have utilized this graphic visual essay had we had it at that time. We didn't have it at that time when I did that with my students, but that's okay. Um, and you can also use this as a collaboration activity with a partner. So like students can work on this together, right? They can break things up however you want to structure it. Um, we do want to point out that this activity works really, really well using Google Slides if you have the capacity and the access to do that. However, you can 100% have students use a physical piece of paper. In fact, when we first started utilizing a graphic essay in our EV frameworks, it was with a piece of paper. So it's just been elevated significantly more over the years. Um, so we'll touch on that aspect a little bit later. So let's say you're hearing this and you're like, okay, I'm intrigued. I want to assign a visual essay to my students. Well, the first thing you're going to want to do is come up with an essential question for your students to answer. So just like a regular essay, and then their answer to that question becomes the claim for their presentation or for their visual essay. So you can choose one essential question for the whole class, or you can give students options to pick from. But if you're using this activity for lit circles or independent reading, you might want to keep that question just very general since like Caitlin said, students are reading different books. There's just a lot going on there. So we're going to give you some ideas for potential questions you could use. So you might say, which important theme does this book convey? Or what is the most important lesson that the main character of the book learns? What's the most significant change that the main character of the book demonstrates? What's the most important life lesson that readers can learn from this story? So you'll see those are just very general. They can apply to pretty much any piece of literature that your students are reading. So you come up with your essential question, you assign it to your students, and then you explain to them that they will be creating a Google Slides presentation, or again, physical piece of paper, but the presentation will have a total of five slides. So we want to break down like what's expected on each slide. So the very first slide, that's their introduction. Think of that as like the intro paragraph of an essay. So what students would do is they would take a picture of their book's cover and they would upload it to the slide. And that image should take up most of the slide. So it like becomes the background. And then what students will do is they'll create multiple text boxes on top of the image. And that's where they'll type in the essential question. And then in another box, they'll type their tag, their title, author, genre. And then they'll type a summary of the book in another uh, text box. And then finally, their claim. So it's all the components of that intro paragraph. But it, again, looks like a graphic novel with those like bubbles or dialogue boxes with their information. And they can put those text boxes wherever they think it's most visually pleasing. Awesome. So slide one, introduction, like logically makes total sense, right? As you're listening to this. Then the next few slides, like two, three, four, however many body paragraphs students are going to include, like you might not teach a five paragraph essay. You might teach a multi-paragraph essay or however it is that you structure it with your students. But these next set of slides are all going to be your body paragraphs. Okay. So like slide two would be one body paragraph, slide three, another, et cetera. So these slides are really where students are starting to answer that essential question, right? So in these slides, they're going to need those critical things like a premise, evidence, justification, right? If you're not familiar with those terms because you don't utilize the EBW approach, that's like a topic sentence or um, analysis, however it is, whatever language you use, right? It all kind of means the same thing. Um, so students in this case for these slides will take a picture of a page from their book that contains a quote or evidence that answers the essential question. 
So think about it. Instead of students putting evidence into their papers, they're finding the evidence on the page in their book that contains that evidence, right? Kind of, I, I like, I kind of love it. It's fun. So the image, when they're putting it into the slides, it really should take up the majority of the slide. And then students will highlight the actual quote that they're utilizing, okay? Then they'll go on to create those text boxes, very similar to what they did for the introductory paragraph on that first slide. They'll have a text box for the premise where they write what answers the claim, right? Their response to that, their reason why. They'll have one that has a phrase to introduce the evidence. This is like, you know, the author writes would be an example or according to the text, whatever it might be. And then there'll be another box for the justification. And that's where they will explain how the evidence supports the premise and how all of that supports the claim, right? Ultimately answering the prompt that's been given to them. So finally, on these slides, you can have students also upload like a couple more images to the slide, right? These can be clip art that they find, images that they create themselves. Um, so they can really be creative here with this. Like this is giving our students who maybe have more of that, like, you know, uh, is it the left brain? I'm sorry. I think right it brain. is. That's like the creative side, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm not that person. So that's what <laughs> um, they can use that other side of their brain, right? Our students who maybe are more creative or who are more inclined and drawn to the arts here, we're giving them that opportunity to really showcase that side of them that they don't generally get to do in our classes in a visual capacity, right? Um, so students should consider using images that kind of hit the following point. So you might have students pick an image that represents the mood of this section of your story, right? So like a a visual representation of that or a highlight, a topic from this section of your story. Like they can be creative with these images. What do they represent, right? Think of it like art. What story is that image trying to tell? They could depict um, in the image a main character, right, of the story. They could even pick the main character, like, you know, a picture of them from online or something like that. And how can we get our students to be a little bit more creative and outside the box thinkers, right? For those of our students who like really can take it to the next level. Um, They could find an image that relates to the premise or to the evidence. Um, They could depict the setting of this section of the story. So there's a variety of ways that students can utilize images in these slides. And those might be some points that you just share with them to consider to get their wheels turning. But if they have a different way to like visually represent what they've talked about on that body paragraph on that particular slide, by all means, like let's let them really dive into their creativity. You could even have them take it to another level and have a text box next to the image that explains how this image supports what they're saying, right? Even though that's not necessarily tied into writing the essay, they're still critically thinking. They're still analyzing something and how it relates to the text. Um, So again, what I just described would be for slides two, three, four, again, depending on how many body paragraphs you're having your students write. So that means students are essentially creating one slide for each body paragraph of their essay. They have those different premises, evidence, justification. And of course, like I was just talking about the pictures and the images on those slides. Which brings us to students' final slide, and that's where they create their conclusion. So on this slide, they should create three text boxes. One would have a transition and then restate their original claim. One would be a spot for summarizing all the premises, the evidence they had earlier. And then one is for like their mic drop final sentence that really explains a lesson that readers can learn or like a really big takeaway from the text. And on this one, because that's a lot of text boxes, right? We want to make it visually appealing still. 
So we have students put two more images on there that they can upload. And so they might consider the ones Caitlin mentioned earlier, or like something that really just represents the overall theme of the story or ties back to their claim or ties into that message that they learned. They can be, again, as creative as they want here. So they wrap up their visual essay and then they can present their work. And it's really cool because like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, their classmates now can read through their visual essay and it's fun, right? They're looking at the pictures. It doesn't take too long because they're just reading a sentence here, a sentence there. And then to help your, the rest of the class stay engaged, what you can do is you can have them take notes on their favorite parts of each presentation. Like, oh, I really thought that image that Caitlin chose was so creative because blah, 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 or whatever it is. And then they can share these notes. It can just be on post-its and they can give them to the presenters afterward, or you can do a gallery walk. Honestly, however you set this up, it can be done in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, like a glow party even with it would be super interesting for students as well. Um, So like we talked about at the beginning, you can also totally do this on paper as opposed to on Google Slides. And so I want to talk to you about how that would look and how that would be structured. So most of the directions essentially stay exactly the same, but instead of having students create their presentations on the computer, you're going to have students gather five pieces of paper. And you can see where I'm going with this, right? What they put on each piece of paper remains the same as each Google slide in that what we just talked about, right? But their goal is to make that paper visually appealing. So we're not taking like five pieces of binder paper. We might take five pieces of white computer paper, or maybe it's, you know, different colors paper or whatever to represent different things, right? There's so many different ways that we can utilize like the creative aspect of, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for of not representing, but we'll just go with that of representing like something else in the text, right? We know that certain colors evoke certain feelings and represent other things. You know, if we're doing something on Edgar Allan Poe, like the visual representation of that is going to look very different than if we're doing something on, I don't know, give me an example of something happy. What I was just thinking, why, why can't I think of a happy book off the top I of my know, head? Either. Whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. A happy text. Um, so it's just really cool. And you want students to really think about when they're doing it on that piece of paper, like using those thought bubbles, using those drawings, using colors, and not just writing sentence after sentence, because that kind of defeats the purpose of what we're trying to get them to do. And since students can't necessarily like put images, like drag and drop like they can on a computer, print the images out, cut them out, attach them with glue. You know what I mean? Rather than using digital clip art, if your students are super creative, they can draw it themselves. So the possibilities really are endless in utilizing this um, in a digital capacity or in a printed out capacity. And hopefully you're seeing like the beauty of this visual essay is that students are still meeting all the writing standards, right? These are things you have to teach. You get to teach in your grade level, but they're gaining that valuable writing experience And it doesn't feel like writing, right? They're engaged in a project because of the artistic aspect. So it switches things up a bit and it just makes it kind of unique and different, even though it's still evidence, it's still analysis, (laughs) stuff they've done before. So I love that you're rinsing and repeating, but in a really fresh way. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome alternative to the traditional essay, right? Can be assigned any time of the school year. Um, but we really do hope that you give this activity a try these last few weeks of school to keep students engaged, right? While still meeting those standards. So we're excited to share three more this month on the podcast with you. And again, they can be utilized any time of year. Um, and as we head into the end of the year, I want you to just kind of keep in mind, like mark your calendars. We've got a lot going on this summer. We're doing two huge professional development workshops. One of them is focused 
on this, right? How to keep our students engaged in their learning while also maintaining that high level of rigor. And that's going to happen in June. And then in July, we're going to be talking all about writing. So we don't have exact dates yet, but put that in the back of your head to come join us for our summer professional development workshops. All right, you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye everyone.